Dave with us, uh, contributing writer to ModernVinyl.com. Uh, he is going to be the host of an upcoming uh, podcast called Vinyl Emergency uh, as part of the Now Playing Podcast Network oh, that's yeah. been put together by my friend Jim Laskowski, Jim the Music and Mo- Movie Freak. Absolutely. What a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just uh, hit it off after he had heard uh, me on, on your show several times before and uh, read some of my writing for Modern Vinyl and stuff. And, and the most flattering thing you can hear, probably, as somebody who is loved radio for as long as I have is uh, he got a hold of me and said, this guy needs a show. Isn't that and cool? Like, That's really cool. So, Jim's a good guy, man. Yeah. He's so a good guy. I'm excited to do um, it, jumping into the podcast uh, thing. En- enormously talented guy, too, and a, and a smart dude. I got a bone to pick. I don't want you monkey mouth motherfucker sitting in my throne again. Hey, hey, nigga, what's happening? I'm mad. But I ain't stressing. True friends. One question. Bitch, where you and I was walking? Now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kuta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. Kuta, black man taking no loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pop Culture Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski. Um, <laughs> that's a great way to start. Bing. Um, well, thank you, phone, for um, confirming my identity. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm really stoked right now for... A, a number of reasons. First of all, I'm. This is my first podcast recording, my first pop culture club recording in a while, but it's also my very first on my new MacBook, which I got on Black Friday for a very reasonable price. And um, I'm starting to learn some coding, just as a side project, <laughs> one of many side projects that I have, maybe too many. Um, but at the same time. Uh, we're, this is an experiment. I'm also doing GarageBand, and hopefully everything goes according to plan. But um, the, the the main reason why I'm thrilled is that I have a guest live in bedroom. Yikes! And whoa, well, well, I'm it's not as kinky as you think. Yes, <laughs> I was hoping it wouldn't be kinky at all. <laughs> but okay, I'm just thrilled that uh, I have another Jim in the room. You do, and, and uh, he goes by the name of Jim Hanky. And here he is. Hey. He writes for modernvinyl.com, correct? Yeah, modern uh modern-vinyl.com. Wow. It is uh very uh yeah, very tricky. I think if you just google modern vinyl you'll find it though. Okay. Yeah, just uh use the internet and you'll find him. Somehow. Yes, correct. Like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um I discovered Jim through surprise surprise Nick DeGilio on WGN Radio. He um, interviewed Jim, and uh, I thought he was a, a charismatic personality on top of being incredibly intelligent about something I'm very passionate about, as you all know. Besides movies, I am a complete music nerd. Um, and Jim is a vinyl connoisseur of sorts, and he knows a lot. He knows his stuff. And uh, I was incredibly impressed with your appearance on Nick's show, so um, it was inevitable. You were bound to be on my podcast, talking Music. Awesome. Um, so I really am grateful for you coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for, thanks for reaching out. This was, uh, you know, and, and yeah, we've got something cooking for, you know, the next couple months here, which I'm very excited about. So We sure do. And uh, it's not, not cookies, but we have a podcast network in the works, as uh, I've alluded to uh, in a couple of recent episodes it is officially titled the Now Playing Network, um, and 
A number of uh, familiar voices will be getting their own shows, including Jim's here. Um, his show is entitled Vinyl Emergency. Yes, correct. correct. Yeah. yeah. What is, what is the origin of that title? So, uh, Vinyl Emergency is a play on uh, a album um, from a band that I grew up listening to, and then eventually becoming uh, good pals with uh, the Promise Ring. They're very people. good band. Yeah, very good band out out of uh, Milwaukee, where I'm originally from. And I was searching for a title for the podcast, and I thought, well, you know, this this is a a good nod to. Um, uh, to that band and, and what have you, and uh, reached out to uh, them, and they approved that as well as uh, their la- their label uh, Jade Tree, because I wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up, that it wasn't, uh, <laughs> especially because and and people will find eventually uh, the artwork is a take on the album cover as well, um, and uh, <laughs> it's like keep looking at it because it's so ridiculous that uh, that I'm basically inserted into like the you know the original artwork for for that album. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the, the reason I called it that. And, and despite, uh, the name, despite vinyl emergency, um, obviously we will tackle records and we will talk about the sta- the status of records now and what maybe people grew up with. You know, a lot of people have record collections that were just based on, uh, that started because of inheriting, inheriting, records from their parents and, and stuff like that. So we'll talk about that, that sort of thing. But ideally I, I want people to talk about their passions as well. I, I don't plan to have it be strictly vinyl nerds on the show because I think that limits the audience and especially yeah. because vinyl's growing so much, you want to try and reach as many people as possible. So the people that are my friends that are record collectors, I want to talk to them about their other passions, maybe their uh, positions in life, their jobs, um, weird stories that have happened to them, that sort of thing. And uh, with bands and stuff that I hope to interview too, we're going to talk about um, not just their own discography on vinyl, if there is one, but um, you know, talk a little bit more, uh, make it a very conversational show that's more about uh, less about facts about vinyl and more about just getting to know people in general. And um you know, I think I think it'll be uh, very exciting. As 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 boring as that probably sounded, uh, I'm I'm excited about it because um, the people that I've been talking to to be on it so far have been super excited, and it's it's just a big circle of excitement. Then, so I I can feel that uh, excitement. Good, good. I definitely can because um, you know I've 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 obviously heard you on Nick's show and uh, a couple of um, appearances on a couple other podcasts and mm-hmm. you're a good conversationalist. So well, I have, I have no doubt that um, the interviews will be great. Thank so you. Thank you very much. I'm very excited for it. Me and too. I think, uh, I, I, like I said, I, you, d- you definitely can't just, this is my favorite record. Let's talk about it. Right. So I think it's important to almost like in, in, in the vein of what Mark Marin does, you know, just branch out, learn about the person as a person. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the conversation will sort of grow organically. From yeah, there. yeah. And there are, it's dangerous because um, there are podcasts out there that I've listened to that are album focused, that are mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk only about this album today. And I really do enjoy listening to that stuff. Oh, sure. But not when it's a basically an audio Wikipedia uh, yeah. file mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. talks about like, okay, and this song is second. And what do we think about this? And, uh, Oh, it was recorded here. I mean, you want to, I guess, explain why a record's important to somebody that might not have heard it. Absolutely. Right. I, I get that. But when the information is so cut and dry, um, that's stuff. I mean, if I'm listening to a podcast and I don't know 
that particular album, I'll go research it while I'm listening rather than wait for somebody to tell yeah. me who played guitar and who did this and who did that. Um, so I think talking about, um, when we do talk about records, I think there's going to be a, a fine line between like, you know, trying to, trying to bring the novice into it, but also like for the person who has listened to that album 200 times, try to get to why they've been trying to listen to that two times. Yeah. So. No, the, the personal stories are important. Yes, uh, I don't. I forget which which podcast I heard, but it was uh, Jim DeRogatis was interviewed on it via Skype about Cloud's Taste Metallic, mm. and uh, it's it's a very underrated Flaming Lips record. Yes. And he told very personal stories about why that album is so meaningful to him. Obviously, he has a personal connection to Wayne Coyne, having yeah. spent time. I was like, I'll be honest, I was there in the studio while they were making certain certain songs. Yeah. So this is why this these songs or this record is so important to me. Right. And uh, you know, he 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 got to you know some very interesting reasons why you know Flaming Lips are an, a, a vital band in his life. Yeah. And why like lately he. Wayne Coyne has uh, let him down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, quite. It's funny to bring that up because all I can think about are articles recently where, you know, it's like, oh, the Flaming Lips are in this ad. Oh, the Flaming Lips are with uh, Miley, Miley Cyrus, Cyrus now. Yeah. You know? And it's just, uh, you know, I feel I feel bad because, yeah, he does have such a connection to them, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, say what you will about one of my favorite bands, Wilco. They're, they're still putting out interesting music despite, like, I don't get the same, like, emotional impact that I got with a ghost is born and True. Yankee hotel Foxtrot. Like I don't get that. Like I'm almost on the verge of tears practically True. because of, uh, of what Jeff Tweedy is conveying through the music. But yet at the same time, um, even though their latest didn't make my, uh, my best of the year list, there are certain moments on that album that are just like, okay, I, I hear the old Wilco coming back, mm-hmm. but in a new, exciting, interesting way. Yeah. Um, and Nels Klein is one of the greatest guitars ever, and I'm glad that they're utilizing him a little bit more, too. So, I mean, because Wil- the Wilco the band live is completely different than Wilco the band on record. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important for people, you know, because I, I, I've had a couple of friends who dismiss Wilco entirely. I'm like, if you'd seen them live, and I know that's a cliche, like, okay, even sure. if you don't like the band on record, if you see them live, you'll right. change your mind. But with, with Wilco... Um, Good God! If you see Nels Klein playing guitar in front of you, it's hard not to be awestruck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! They, yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw them a couple of years ago at Metro when they were doing the um, Incredible Shrinking tour. When they were doing, I don't know if you remember that at all. Oh my gosh! I don't, so hmm. it, was in, it was in Chicago. They did five nights, and they uh, each night they pre- played at a um, was it a different smaller set? venue. Oh, okay, and, and yeah, 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 yeah. Different okay, sets. Yeah. So they started yeah. off at I think the Opera House, right, and then went to like the Vic, and then the Riv, and then Metro, and then Lincoln Hall. I think was the last one. Um, and my wife and I got to go to Metro, and we were right up front. Um, Good lord! I remember saying something to Jeff Tweedy, and him referencing that. I forget. Oh, because they had never that. That's what it was. They physically had never played Metro before. A band like Wilco, you would think of as really, yeah, I'm shocked. So this was 2000, I mean, 12 or 2011, hmm. and um, yeah, they made they made a reference to never playing um, Metro uh, before, and then uh, I think his strap broke or something like that, and he kind of like feigned to be upset or something like that, and I think I said under my breath like. That's what you get for not playing Metro before, something, something of that nature. <laughs> he looked right at me. He's like, "Yep, that's what we get for not playing Metro before." And I mean, they opened with, um, they opened with "Sunken Treasure," and that's like yeah. just one of my favorite songs. And 
nearly nearly brought me to tears. Uh, yeah, uh, misunderstood and sunken treasure is are, are actually these songs that got me into Wilco, and yeah. it was Greg Cott's review in Rolling Stone that got me to buy that record. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I, I think I was even on Nick's show when he had Greg Cott on to talk about uh, the Wilco biography. Yeah, and I mentioned that to him, and Greg thought that was really cool. <laughs> was I like, mean, those, and those two songs, are, it's so interesting. I don't want to. I know we got stuff to do, but oh yeah. Um, I mean, those two songs specifically are such nice, you know, they're both equally powerful mm-hmm. and they open two, two completely different discs of that out al- of being there, you know, and it's, it's those, those songs always go hand in hand to me, not just because they're on the same record, but because they, they're both opening songs for different parts of, of this album. And they, when people talk about Wilco, about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. It's like, oh man, that's the one where they got weird. They, I mean, being no. there, you put on being there, I almost wish they could go back with this lineup and re-record being there. Because mm-hmm. I think that would just be, even Misunderstood and Sunken Treasure live now sound yeah. better and, and more make make more sense right. for this lineup than they did with Ken Coomer and Jay Bennett. And, um, and not that Jay Bennett didn't, I mean, he's a major contributor and some would say the contributor to how Wilco progressed noisily. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. If people, it's interesting because people do credit Tweedy and uh, with a lot of that. But like, if you listen to a lot of and, and watch the movie and stuff like that, like Bennett was the one. I think I think I had that misinterpretation that Bennett was the one who wanted to go completely Beatles, completely like. Oh, let's just do pop songs, man. Especially in in that documentary in in I'm trying to break your heart. There's a part where he says something about Casino Queen and like, oh, we should have some rockers, man. Yeah. And, and Tweedy says, I think Tweedy says some lines like, well, I don't want to rely on like easy rockers. Right. And uh, Jay Bennett's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. So I think my assumption in seeing that movie was that like, oh, Jay Bennett just wants to do like three minute pop songs still. Mm-hmm. But I think it was almost a reverse. I th- the, the more and more I read about Jay Bennett, it's that he was the one creating or suggesting a lot of the oddness, a lot of the uh, uneasiness of their sound. Then I can see that just because like there is even a section that documentary where you see Jay Bennett playing with all the toys, all, all the, yeah. all the little effects pedals and things right. in the studio and him getting really excited about that. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, God, we could do a whole episode on that documentary. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be. A, <laughs> There's so many you, amazing if, moments. If, if you in want that. to, you can give me a call. We'll, we'll okay. do that. Yeah, we'll do that on your show. We'll do the Wilco episode. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm happy to do Sounds that. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, like I, I, their their new album is in my runners up. Okay. But um, I, I I don't know. There's just something missing from that album to make it like a you know a, a true. Uh, test of time. Maybe, maybe it's a grower. Maybe years from now, I'll be like, that is almost as good as a ghost is born. And yeah. maybe it's because it's so short. I'm like, I'm craving more. But at the right. same time, he just put out like that Tweety record, which had like 20 songs or something. Yeah, like yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and and maybe maybe this is just me. I mean, people might disagree with this. And this kind of goes against some of my even the top five that I'm going to talk about because one of them is not technically a full album. Um, maybe we view it as like, not like all the way Wilco or not all the way there because of its release, because it's like, yeah. Hey, all of a sudden we have a new album and then the CD came mm-hmm. a couple weeks later and then the vinyl came, came several months later. And 
I have a hard time not putting an asterisk next to albums like that, where it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, like, um, you know, because technically, what the whole love was their last, right, previous album, twenty eleven, I think, yeah. Um, so it's hard for me to put it right away with the rest of the Wilco catalog, simply because now bands can release whatever they want, whenever they want. It's a weird time. And again, we could probably do a whole episode on the surprise. Yeah. Surprise releases and stuff. Sure. That's, that seems to be like all the rage. Yeah. Um, and I, I read an interview is like, uh, you know, Jeff is like, yep, we're pretty much halfway done with the next one. Yeah. So, I mean, they they seem to be working a lot faster and I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm always looking forward to whatever they do. I just, I just felt like something, was missing and maybe like I felt like there were a couple songs where his vocals were kind of buried to where the the melodies weren't popping out or there yeah. weren't as many memorable lyrics or something just wasn't clicking with me in in ways like I even thought like the the, the whole love was a very interesting record because yeah. it had like traditional sort of three minute pop songs again Absolutely. but then you had that opening song that just blew, yeah. blew your mind you open with Art of Almost and it's like it touches on like three distinct different versions yeah. of Wilco um and uh, I think with this one too, they were gutsy. They they headlined the Pitchfork Music Festival this year, and they were gutsy to uh, play all of Star right. Wars from beginning to end, sure. right off right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And that's not an album that translates to twenty thousand people in the summer in Chicago. It yeah. just even if you're Wilco, that's an album that's not. It is not arena. It is not like. For all its faults, it's not Wilco the album because Wilco the album is very poppy, most of it, and kind of cheery, and maybe not everybody's favorite Wilco record. Mm-hmm. Um, and this album has definitely got its thorns. Um, what, what yeah, it's I, more rough, raw around the edges, yeah, rough around the edges, right, however you want to put it. Right. What I would suggest to, to people is uh, the podcast Song Exploder. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did an episode recently on a track from Star Wars called uh, Magnetized. And oh, they, I need to hear that. Yeah, they broke it down. That's one of my favorite songs. Absolutely. They broke it down and talked about like where Jeff comes up with that idea and other ideas and how the keys came in. And that's a song that struck me as very weird first time I heard it, like almost too much so. And now that I kind of understand it and, and feel the, the breaks in it and everything, I have come to really like that song a lot more. Yeah. I, when I first heard it, I thought of it as if ELO did uh, their song Hummingbird. Because oh, yeah. it has a very similar progression, chord progression as Hummingbird a sure. little bit, especially in the um, in, in the initial pre-chorus chorus, I guess. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a song that sort of defies convention, and I really like it. Oh, totally. No, um, I, that's a really good comparison. I would I would agree. Yeah. So, I mean, let, we'll run through. Do you just do you have runners up at all? Or? I do. I do. I don't know how deep you want to get into them. I, nah. I have I have more descriptions for the top five, but the other honorable mentions I just kind of have listed and. I'll just I'll list off some titles here because mm-hmm. um, uh, I found I found some winners late in the game because every year. Um, By the way, have we said that we're going to talk about our two favorite records of last year? I don't well, even if we haven't, right? People will know. People will know by the title and show <laughs> description. Right. That's true, which Good is point. totally cool. But we are going to talk about our favorite records of 2015. This is uh, this is the new podcast guy 
trying to ask <laughs> what we're doing. Yeah, very, very, very true. <laughs> yes, but that's noob. okay. That's the okay. Noob. I'm the noob here, so this is like the uh, the latest Wilco record. Very rough around the edges. Yes. Um, maybe I should open the open the open the podcast with a one and a half minute loud distorted kind of ditty. They squeal. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, but um. I, I managed to, you know, what I do around December is I just, I, I do a very simple Google best records of 2015. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I look at paste. I look at a lot of music blogs and see what titles keep coming, popping up. Yep. Um, and uh, are they familiar to me? And right. even if they're not, are what are the what are the descriptions? And do they appeal to me in any yeah. way? And it's tough for me because um, I don't know if you find this. I'm th- I don't know if we've talked about. It. I'm 36. I don't know how old you are. I'm 37. So perfect. Okay, great. So so I am. I don't know if you find yourself like this. For as much as I've enjoyed music over, you know, since high school basically, and I've covered music, I've written about music since I was like 14 or 15. Uh, and then sporadically for the next like 20 years, um, I'm finding now that I'm so much more comfortable discovering, uh, music that is, um, older that I'm going back to the bands that I'm going to back to bands like Wilco and listening to music that I've enjoyed more over the last, how many ever years than discovering new stuff than trying to find what the, the next, sure single is the the ooh Jamie XX has a new remix I'm like I don't yeah, yeah. what like uh I don't know if you feel that way but I it's harder and harder for me every year to find like even 10 albums from one year that I've really enjoyed. I would say that until December rolls around and then I managed to like make an effort and maybe it's just because like there I mean I kind of do this podcast now and uh I write um like my list will be up on uh this website row3.com which okay. um they, they they're mostly a movie website, but the guy who hosts it, he's a big music nerd too, and he um, for the past two years has asked, "What are your top ten records of the year?" Sure. So knowing that in advance, I'm like, okay, even if I haven't kept up with new music throughout the rest of the year, yeah, I'm pretty good at binging if I need to. Yeah, no, that's that's good, um, and, and to make the list from that, yeah, yeah. I so you. I mean, I sort of make a a list, and now that I um I'm a subscriber to iTunes Music over Spotify, sure. it makes it very easy to just go okay, type in the name of the artist, yeah, add the album to my playlist, yeah, then listen to the album on the way to work, right. or you know, and what or at the gym or whatever. And um, I will say that there are definite times when even if an album has made a list, if it's not grabbing me in the first three or four tracks, yeah, I'm not moving. I'm not moving forward with yep, it. I got gotcha. you. And I think stuff like that, the Jamie XX album, might be one of them. And maybe it is a great record because yeah. it's made a lot of lists. Sure. Um, but it it didn't grab me. And there's certain there's certain cases of that. Um, like <sighs> Father John Misty is another. It's made every list, and maybe it's on your list. Um. I think it's good. Okay. I think it's a very good record. Okay. It didn't blow me away. Okay. That's interesting. I well, do like the lyrics. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, one, th- one thing I, I just want to ask, uh, I just put this out there to to Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that. I know it's probably tedious and you probably think 1% of people would even do this, but have an alphabetical list. I'm begging people to have an alphabetical list <laughs> of every artist on Spotify or Apple music or whatever. The reason being is that if you want me to actually have a collection of songs, that's easier for me to scroll through than to try to remember 
for the last 20 years what artists I've liked and then go find hmm. their records and then add them to my whatever. I, I yeah. know that sounds silly, but like, I think they're based more. I mean, these, these streaming services and stuff are, are clearly based more on having like, Oh, if you like this, then you'll like this. And that, and that's fine. But I would rather like see, go from A to Z and spend months just going through that list and adding and adding and adding so that I can have on my phone what I feel is as close to a complete collection of songs that I like as possible. Otherwise, it's impossible for me to do that. There is no way I'm going to be able... It's literally going to take seeing that band name and be like, oh my god, I haven't listened <laughs> to them in 17 years. Sure. Uh, rather than for me to remember it. And that may seem silly. Like the People might have the argument, well, if it didn't make that impact on you, then you don't need to listen to it. But at the same time, I would like to have as close to a streaming collection of the history of my music listening as I can. Right. And I think doing an alphabetical list of artists, and I know how impossible that sounds considering your major artists or your small artists or whatever, but I would, I would love that. I'll work on that algorithm. Thank as you. Soon as Please possible. do. Please do somebody. Yeah. But I mean, there's there. I mean, I do have like more than just five runners up. I can just list through. Yeah. When, yeah. Why don't you, you know, go, you, do you want to do your five and then my five or how do you yeah, want to do that? Let's okay. do, we'll just start off that way. Sounds good. Um, and then I'll, you know, if I have some more titles, I'll list them. Sure. Later. But, yep. um, destroyer put out a very interesting album this year. They're, they're an acquired taste, especially his mm-hmm. vocals because they're kind of high pitched and a little whiny. They are my le of the new pornographer songs. They are my least favorite. Sure. But sure. But that's also, I mean, you're stacking him up. You're stacking Dan Behar against AC Newman. Newman, Nico case, yeah, yeah, Catherine yeah. Calder, by the way, has really won me over too. As yeah. far as like her, her album from this year, it didn't make my list, but really, really good. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Oh, it's I'm, very good. Okay. Very good. I think it's self-titled, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, but I so. like I like him as a songwriter. He's really audacious. He has incredible arrangements with uh, you know with trumpets and yes. I mean just the full kit and caboodle when it comes to right. like the the whole orchestra. And uh, I like sometimes his lyrics are kind of obtuse, and I don't understand where he's coming from mm-hmm. necessarily. But I always find him compelling. And uh, his latest record is called Poison Season, mm-hmm. and it really grabbed me. Um, I know that uh, one of my favorite podcasts slash radio show hosts, Tom Sharpling of The Best Show yes. on WFMU, or was, was, w- was WFMU, right. he's, a, he's a huge fan. And he actually has directed new pornographer's videos and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So sure, he's, sure. he's a multi-talented guy. But mm-hmm. I, I, I've grown to love Destroyer the more and more I dip into their discography. Yeah. And I think this is one of, their strong, one of his strongest records in a long time. Definitely one that I have been told to check out that I admit that I have not. So yeah. I, will, I will do that. I, th- I, I think it's... It's one of those that'll grab you right away. Okay, cool. So um, there's this interesting – a band that's hard to classify, but when I say that they're um, – I'm pretty sure they're on Saddle Creek, so they sort of have that, like, cursive um, – what's the ba- – uh, yeah, no, it's cursive, who did um, the Ugly Organ, ha- yes. Happy Hollow. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're, they're really abrasive and intense and kind of have uh, – you know, really jarring um, uh, time signatures. Okay. And they're just unique. It's almost like math rock kind of style. Yeah. But um, at the forefront, and this is kind of a trend on my list, is female-fronted rock vocals are just like really intense and really in your face. And 
this uh, I believe her name is Frances Quinlan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. She's one of the best vocalists, and at the same time, it's it's not necessarily melodic. It's right. just really like yeah. kind of like in your face and intense. Yeah, yeah. So this band is called Hop Along, mm-hmm. and the record is called Painted Shut. That is a I, I will tell you I've got f- five for a top five. Five for an honorable mention, and Hop Along got the axe, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but yes, fine. yes, this would be for sure. This people kept talking about this band, and this is a band that I wouldn't. While you while while those references to cursive and stuff like that are completely accurate, this is still a band that surprises me that they're on Saddle Creek. Yeah, and, a little and, bit. And yeah. the reason being is that I find that they. I don't know if you're familiar with labels like Top Shelf or No Sleep, but they're like okay, of, of yeah. this like fourth third or fourth wave of, of emo, quote unquote emo that I think they would go really, really well with. And the fact that they're on Saddle Creek is, is very heartening because it's like, Oh, Saddle Creek is like wanting to put out bands that are in their early twenties and not just, mm-hmm. you know, the, yeah, I mean, bands now that are clearly in their, you know, late thirties, early forties. Um, so for them to put something like this out, which is a very, again, uh, I hate to use the expression thorny, but this record is, is you don't know where it's going. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you it's are, very unpredictable. Yes, it is super unpredictable, and I, and I really, really like it. And visceral. Yes. That's why I like it. Absolutely. It. Yeah, there's a lot of intensity going on this year that I'm I'm, I'm all for, and yeah. the fact that it's female-fronted makes me very happy. Totally. <laughs> and they've got some, I think, brand new coming out very soon. I oh, think. really? I could be wrong. Hmm. Well, but, I'm, I'm uh, happy for. I know that they. Uh, I know they played Subterranean not too long ago, and I wish I'd gone to that show because yeah. that, that might have been fun. Yeah. Um, Sufjan Stevens, which is making everybody's list sure. for a reason. It's yeah. one of the most personal albums. It'll make you cry, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so intimate and like it's it's got that kind of he he's got that kind of iron and wine whispery like very um, hushed <laughs> vocal style that uh, I know is off-putting for some people. I know sure. people who find them too sleepy. I was it it might have been even Jim D. Regattas who completely dismissed this record. Wow. And um you know just found it to be a chore. You know and, and this is coming from a guy who loves Nick Drake. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is like, you know, necessarily Nick Drake territory, but it's it certainly conjures up similar emotional landscape in terms of like I'm going to talk about some serious personal stuff from yeah, my childhood and right. it's hard on its sleeve kind of songwriting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, again, one that I know I've streamed and, and didn't, uh, connect with me immediately. Uh, it doesn't mean I've dismissed it, but it's just not one. It is one that clearly is making all the lists very close to the top for pretty much everything. And it's, it's one that I'm going to have to like revisit for sure. So, and, uh, another predictable, a lot of these are predictable. <laughs> Florence and the Machine, who I, I I just think she's one of the best pop rock songwriters out there. And um, the moment Ship to Wreck came out as a single, I was hooked. I And track for track, that's almost a, it's a sublime record in every way. I love her voice. I love her songwriting. And it does have like the verse, chorus, verse structure, but all in all the right ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, everybody kind of knows who she is by now yeah. and is familiar with that single for a reason. Um, and I'm glad that her success continues to grow over time. Yep. And number six, another female, but her name is Natalie Prass. Have you heard Natalie Prass? I have. I Well, you know, this came to light through, I believe, Ryan Adams, correct? Like, yeah, I think been, so. Like, yeah, he, he championed her. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I listened to uh, some stuff and I, I didn't... Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I I certainly didn't uh, not love it, but um, yeah, again, like just not one that I guess immediately connected with me. But yeah, I mean, if Ryan Adams likes her, then he's probably going to cover her record in its entirety <laughs> next year. But um, I, I like I, from the first song, I was thinking, man, this is like if Tori Amos did like soulful ballads. I mean, she does soulful ballads, but just. There's more of like a Motowny feel to sure. it at times, and just you know, it's got it's got really subtle horns going on. Yeah, it's just, uh, it just it sort of harkens back to the times of listening to 45 records with my dad. That's and, cool. Uh, I, uh, I I find I find myself very moved by a lot of the songs on here. Um, You're fooled, it, like the very simple three minute pop songs for the most part that just um, moved me very much. So I very just cool. think she's, it's a great debut record. And I, I think I a lot of people will like it for sure. Um, gosh. Okay. So that's, that's me time now, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm stoked. So, well, <laughs> you might not be, I think, I think, uh, I think my, um, it's my father, John five. Misty, father, John Misty and father. John. No, no, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all, all five. Um, my, my, my actual top five is, is a bit more, uh, indie, uh, whereas the honorable mentions I think are a little bit more mainstream. Um, I, I gotta say, uh, beauty behind the madness from the weekend. Um, now I'm a gigantic fan of, of, of the weekend, but I, I, there are some songs I'm still not immediately connecting with on this record, but the, when is it, it the when misogyny? It, that's a little off. Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> when, when it hits, it hits. Yeah. There, there are, there I agree. are um, songs like, and I know, obviously, he had a big year already with, um, you know, the song from the damn Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. But, but if, uh, you know, if people go into songs like, um, oh, gosh, like Often and... Um, Can't Feel My Face. Can't Feel My Face, obviously, took over. I mean, that's nominated for a Grammy, I think. Um, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Um, you know, oh, God, it's killing me now. The, the, they're like, there's a there's a trifecta of songs early on in this record Um that's uh what is it it's often um oh crap um oh uh oh uh tell your friends yeah yeah, yeah. tell and, your friends tell your good. friends and um gosh another big radio song but those those three all hit super early on right in a row and it's super incredible like it like um the 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 piano line uh, well tell your friends is is produced by Kanye West and that is uh the the piano line is is ripped from uh, a 70s group called Soul Dog and but it's so hmm. perfect it it's like early it's so good because it's it's like early Kanye to me sure like, like it it brings back to like college dropout era Kanye for me it's an incredibly well produced record oh yeah absolutely absolutely that, that I think that's one of the reasons it's it's on this list I need to sure. listen to it a couple more times I bet it, I bet it, again it'll probably grow higher up in my yep. mind as it's time super goes on. it's super slick to me and I just I I do really like it a lot um, on a complete different other spectrum um, is uh, an EP from Glenn Hansard uh, called it was triumph before uh, it was triumph we once proposed which is a, it's an EP. I thought he put out a full length. This he year. did. Uh, this EP is a uh, hmm. covers EP of um, tracks from Jason Molina from uh, Magnolia oh Electric Company. Oh my god, that would probably kill me. It is. <laughs> it is quite killable. It oh. is really, really great. Um, I highly recommend it. It is. Uh, uh, there is a, a twelve inch of it uh, on vinyl. Um, nice. But it's only it's only five or six tracks, I believe, and it is uh, quite incredible. It is um, not just. A rehash. I mean, he adds his own 
flair and uh, vulnerability to it. Um, he was a good friend of Jason Molina's, so this material absolutely translates and is a really, really great honor to a phenomenal songwriter who clearly left us too soon, and but but um, did leave a vast discography for sure. He's a, he's one of my favorite songwriters. Um, I just I, I I don't know why his solo records haven't connected with me as strongly as the swell sure. season yeah, and yeah. the frames absolutely no, and that's and that's uh, yeah i mean he's um there was one oh gosh rhythm and repose i think yes yeah. the one that that was good i really did like that one yeah. a lot for sure um this is just on a level that like if you're a fan of jason molina's work sure am. um you're going to really appreciate uh this, this i'm EP sticking that sure. out right away yeah uh back to the hip-hop stuff um uh, technically, it's a mixtape, and there are vinyl bootlegs out there. But uh, I'm I'm gonna put down. Uh, if you're reading this, it's too late from Drake. Um, uh, I, I am a big. I've, I've been seeing this pop up on lists, and I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm gonna yeah, make I'm, a note. Yes, uh, you've probably seen, you know there there may have been memes out. Obviously, he's <laughs> you know had the hotline bling uh, stuff later in the year, but. Um, you know, just the cover, the the really scrawled, like weird text that, that yeah, I've seen and that. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this record too has, uh, it's really. I will say it's really front loaded. Like I do like the back end of this record, but the the first six seven tracks are like some of his best work. Like, um, oh, that's great. Legend into, uh, you know, there's you know, No Talon, um, Ten Bands. I mean, th- these are some of his best songs for a guy who can just for lack of a better word, shit out great songs, like whenever <laughs> he wants. Um, oh, there's a new Drake song. Like, and, and hotline bling, it's so weird. Like that, that's not on this record, but a little about hotline bling. I mean, this is a song that could be a shitty sublime B side. Like, like I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like if you put this, this oh, is a, God. this is a weak reggae song from anybody else. <laughs> so why is it so catchy for, for, someone like Drake. I don't get it, but I, I mean, it's super easy to, to, to sing along with. It's super easy to like, just get in your head. But if I step away from it, it's really a not great reggae, like mild reggae song. And I feel like you're, you're, you know, your sublimes or, or whoever, uh, this could be a really shitty song from them, but for whatever reason, it's a really good song from Drake. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, sit with that one too. I, I, I will. I really do like it. He's coming, you know, like I, you know, I am, uh, Drake's previous work, like on, uh, nothing was the same and, 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 um, take care, I think really is still my favorite Drake record. Um, I do like it when he gets, more vulnerable and stuff like that. Like a song like Marvin's room from take care is still oh, one of my, yeah. one of my favorite. Um, I mean, that reminds me no. that that song. Okay. It's so weird to say, but like that song to me has a total through line to a song like Janine from soul coughing, like this girl talking on a phone. <laughs> like it's so weird. Like, I don't know why it does that to me, but that's automatically what I thought of. And I totally held on to it. Um, but he just continues to be one of my, the, the one of, I mean, definitely the most charismatic voice I think in hip hop. If you're going to have Nick DiGilio on your show, it's gotta be for either soul coughing or Buffalo Tom. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. And yeah, that's why the whole reason I listened to Nick in the first, have you read Mike Dowdy's book, the book of drugs? No, I got to check that out. I have heard about it. His time. Oh my God. When he, 
his time spent as an addict is harrowing. Oh, my God. Well, that, and I have to, speak of Buffalo Tom, I have to read the Bill Janovitz book about the Stones. The, oh, like the, yeah. The 50 Rolling Stone songs to, like, the, it's he basically breaks the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the whole discography down to 50 songs. And so, um, so moving on, uh, this is an album that I talked uh, with um, uh, the guys over on uh, Modern Vinyl about for their podcast um, this year, which you can go hear. Uh, churches, uh, yeah. Every, every open eye. So, so yeah. I mean, this record. I forgot to put that on my. Yeah, runners. there you go. That's a good one. <clears throat> um, uh, is this is twenty sixteen the year where churches truly blows up on the festival market? And I, I, I really think it will be. I mean, I got to figure they're going to be as busy as hell. Um, <laughs> it seems like they were just done touring on the last record, and then all of a sudden, every open eye came out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean these are these are songs that I don't think have. Uh, while I will say that they don't have a lot of the emotional bite that uh, songs from uh, the Bones of What We Believe did, I do think that um, I do think that these can cross over if mainstream radio will allow them to do that. They they yeah. can, they can sit next to Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato songs. For sure, and and that's not the goal. I mean, that's not, that is not what I'm saying that they should be, but um, they have that ability. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, the lyrics are all about um, going at something together, about helping each other out, about lifting somebody up. Um, and I guess if you're looking for that out of dance music these days, which a lot of people are, I mean, you can't go wrong with a band like churches i completely concur i think i like their last record a little bit more yeah but um yeah this is another one i want to live give another listen to because I, I liked it the first time and i need to listen to it again agreed uh, yeah good and then, choice and then speaking of uh powerful female vocals late in the year gotta add it 25 from adele i mean it's a really great record yeah it's it's, it's here's the thing i think there's a lot of percussion plays a really big Indeed. Really yeah. big piece on this record. Like, if you listen to the falling, that falling drum pattern on I Miss You is really hooky to me. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's just a drum pattern. Right. That's not even like keys. Like, it's just like one of those things, like, I just get addicted to how those drums all loop. And it's, it's really addictive. I'm not sure what, what which podcast I was listening. It might even been Sound Opinions, but um, I felt like it needed some more variance. It was very ballad heavy. It was kind yeah. of not necessarily mid tempo, but a little bit more languid sure. than her previous work. Um, there but is there's no, no divi- there's no denying her voice and the power of her voice. Yeah, I mean, her voice is for her to for her to people forget that she didn't tour on twenty one. Mm-hmm. Like she had a couple concerts. There's a DVD out where of her at at the Royal Albert Hall. But she didn't tour on this. So the reason, like, this week when Adele tickets went on sale and people are just dying to to, to go see her, myself included, um, here's a woman who put out the biggest record, arguably, of the last five years. And then due to having a child, probably wanting some privacy, and then her own vocal issues, like the, of actually needing surgery and stuff like that. Oh, man. Um, didn't tour. So I mean that's like I mean literally I'm, I I people may disagree but it's literally like Michael Jackson put out Thriller and then didn't do anything 
I mean, think about <laughs> that, you know, like, and so yeah. like the next one is just going to be, you know, tw- Adele's 25 is basically the force awakens. Like people are <laughs> like musically, people are dying to hear it and dying to get it. Sure. Whatever. Uh, so I will agree there, there, it is ballad heavy. There is no rumor has it on this record. Mm, there is no, no like, no really driving clappy dancey song on it, but her voice is impeccable. Um, the final track, I forget the name of is, is, is really great. Um, and and again, I miss you. Still stirs up stuff sure. for me for sure. And that's not even a single yet. Uh, I don't know what. It'll be interesting to see what the next singles are. From I would this think record. that's a good choice. You know, yeah. he- hello. I think definitely. I mean, you know, uh, kind of kicked ass right out of the gate. Um, but it's impossible. Like Star Wars, it's impossible. And I do mean the movie. I do mean <laughs> Force Awakens and not the Wilco album. Uh, it is. It is hard to follow up the impact that like rolling in the deep and sure. And those songs had with something else because she wasn't, she wasn't a star when that record came out when 21 came out. And I mean, she, you know, 19 really solidified herself in Britain for sure, mm-hmm. but not here. And so it's tough to have an emotional impact from a, from a woman who is, has such a gorgeous voice is not your Katy Perry is not your Ariana Grande at all. Who, who can sing any of these women under the table at any time. So it's just tough to like, it's hard to have a second version of 21 being that people were not ready for, for that record. Mm -hmm. Uh, So people are ready now to just be blown away by Adele. And I think your expectations just go so high where, Oh, this is kind of ballady and kind of darker and what have you. I, I just don't think it's the critics might not have like I don't know taken to heart. You know the uh, full story. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So I don't know. So that's that's that, my that's that my, makes sense. So those are my very long five honorable mentions. No, that's a, that's a that's a great take on on Adele. Um, I. I I can. I'm always overwhelmed when I listen to her. Yeah, songs. me too. Me too. I really am. Yeah. Um, I think again, I, maybe a little bit more variance in the actual content of that record sure. would have helped. Yeah. But no, I can. It's I can still. That. It's still well worth your time. Yes. Number five for me is a band called Algiers. Have you heard of this band? I have not. No. Um, the first thing I thought about when I first heard one of their songs was this propulsive. S- like almost like death grips <laughs> for oh, a second, wow. okay. it's, but I mean, mixed with like the soulfulness of um, of Nick Cave a little bit. Okay, it's got incredibly inventive production, but I think um, I think the first song I heard was a song called "Blood," courtesy of my friend Dan, and the beat immediately reminded me of something that you'd hear on a hip hop record. Okay, um, but it was also kind of like you know. A little distorted, so yeah, you got that death grips kind of feel. But then there's this backup choir that's incredibly soulful and reminds you of Southern blues, Whoa. and it's very haunting. And something you'd hear in New Orleans, or okay, you know. So I mean, like I said, it, yeah, it has this sort of Southern blues style to the vocals at times, and it's yeah. very reverb heavy at times. It's really haunting. It's a mysterious sounding record that was like, I'm a little scared, but I'm really intoxicated. That's um, interesting. 
Are they from here? What's their story? I don't really... Not from Chicago, but I mean, the U.S., I I, guess. Yeah, they are from the U.S. I know that for sure. I haven't researched them heavily yet, and I should, because they're one of the most interesting sounds, because when you hear them, you're like, okay, they're not breaking new ground, but they're sort of combining all these interesting genres in a way that I've never experienced before. And each song is kind of distinctive, but yet is cohesive. Interesting. So as the record went on, it just felt more like a mood piece that at times had influences of punk, foot-stomping blues, and dark ambient music at times. So yeah, it just it reminded me of a Nick Cave record with just uh, political undertones, and I mean, it it seemed like the the music is like just embedded in America's roots. Wow. Okay. Um, Very cool. So that's I mean, I just immediately thought like. If I was going to New Orleans, I think I'd want to listen to this record mm-hmm. a lot. Absolutely, because um, it's it does have you know char- uh, like stories about characters with tragic backstories going on. Yeah, um, and you know, like in, in a very sort of you know racially charged time and things going on within our city, sure. it's a record that I think would um, affect people because okay. I mean I don't necessarily like they don't, I don't know if they outright say you know, shit's going on or as Sam Cooke would say, a change has got to come. Yeah. But it, there's, there's moments in this record where you just feel it. There's a okay. lot of tension, whether if it's racially charged or not. Sure. But I mean, there's, I think there's a song on there called remains about like a chained man. Whoa. Um, and it's just a dark record, yeah. but it's really fascinating. It's one of those, it's hard to like give you the bullet points, give you the summary of like, this is what makes this record so great. So it's one of those where I'm inserting a sound clip, here. <laughs> <laughs> It just grabbed me right away. That's I immediately cool. texted my friend Dan. I was like, I, I'm so into this. Um, and I could see why he was too, because Nick Cave is probably in his top five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Algiers, it's a self-titled record. Um, okay. I will um, I'll make sure you hear it. Yeah, I would very much <laughs> like to. That sounds awesome. Because it's, it's, it's unlike anything else that's come out this wow. year. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, should I do my... Uh, yeah, let's go five? back okay. and forth. That sounds good. I like that. Um, so number five, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this all together as an album, and I think that's fair because you can hear it online all as one album, though... Okay, so before I get to that, it's, it's um, Bazan Monthly Volume 2 from David Bazan. So... Hello again Oblivion Can you find the Uh, for people who don't know, 
So David Bazan of Pedro the Lion fame has, for the last two years now, put out two songs a month on colored seven-inch records. So he basically, instead of doing a new album, which I guess is, is forthcoming though too, what he's done is uh, said, hey, if you subscribe to this service, you will get in the mail uh, once a month a seven-inch record with two brand new songs. You'll also be able to download those immediately upon ordering it. Um, so for uh, five months, you get these two songs per month, and then you have like ten song, ten brand new David Bazan songs. Wow! For you know, it, but he basically set this goal for himself because nothing was. And there are other interviews you can read with him and and uh, and check it out, but something to the effect of he was a little bit uninspired and just decided with his manager to do something drastic where people would have to purchase and sign up basically a glorified pre-order for these songs that would come to a month for five months. So he Hmm. did that with volume one. It was a a big success and he did it with volume two. So volume two came out this year and it's very, if people are familiar with his work under the name headphones, this is more in line with that. It's very keyboardy. It's very programmy. It's very like if David Bazan kind of was doing Kid A type stuff or King of Limbs era Radiohead, that kind of thing. Um, he worked on this with T.W. Walsh, who's been a big collaborator with him, as well as this guy Yuki Matthews, who is now a touring member of the Shins uh, and has had various projects over the years. So, um, is it like Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone? Yeah, something, something of that, or like Her Space Holiday would be another oh, okay. act I would recommend. Um, so you can go stream this all for free at David Bazan's website or SoundCloud or what have you. But you can also order these records uh, online too if you want the vinyl experience. Um, so I really liked it. It's it's David Bazan's, you know, his dark lyrical content. Yeah. But but not the acoustic strumming that he's been known, or not even acoustic, but even his solo albums are more, still more rock based. Control is one of my favorites. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Control is fantastic. I mean, that is yeah. a fantastic record. And there is, <clears throat> pardon me, there is some of that through this. It is just a lot more like vocals and keys and programming, though. But it's still, I'm down with that. It's still super dark. And uh, I I don't know I highly recommend it. So so those even though it's not a proper quote unquote album, it, basically if you if you Google Bazan Monthly Volume Two, um, you'll find it. So I haven't kept up with that guy since Pedro the Lion, and I feel oh, wow. bad. Yeah, because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. He I just played, haven't kept up. I managed to see him twice in one day uh, hmm. this summer. He played my friends. Uh, record store, uh, Pinwheel Records. Oh, in nice. Chicago. Okay. He did an in-store there, and then he played later that night. He played in Glen Ellen at Blackberry Market. Glen Ellen. Yeah. So that, <laughs> nice. do you know? Do you know? I'm not sure if you. Know, he, so he does. Quote, basically, he does living room shows now. He, right. So, so he does that. House right? shows are great. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, he'll announce that he's going to come through these cities, and he needs hosts, and there's some hoops wow. you got to jump through to be able to host him. Uh, and no one except for the ticket buyers uh, get the address information, so you can't sure. just show up there. Uh, but the hosts don't handle any of the money. That hmm. all goes through PayPal to, like, Bazan and wow. Bazan's manager. That's interesting. So basically, as host, though, you get, like, 
I think it's like four or six free slots for your friends, but then everybody else coming to your home, you might not know. <laughs> uh, but it, these are really, but, but like Pinwheel hosted one, uh, as I said, Blackberry Market and Glen Ellen hosted one. So it's not, it doesn't necessarily need to be a home, but it definitely has to have room for like sure. approximately 50 people and a space. Be, yeah, yeah. Space and be in an area where like the cops aren't going to, you know, but yeah, yeah. He, he's also done this, not just acoustic. He's done these songs from like volume two with Yuki. So they, there is some amount of like PA work. I think that needs to be done there. But it's really cool. Like it's, it's yeah. I mean, that's what Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone was doing for a while. And uh, yeah. you know, I've you know, I've had the pleasure of playing with like Paul Barabo and a couple. I, I played some house shows that were incredibly memorable. Yeah. So I mean, that setup is just incredible. Obviously intimate. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's that's perfect for him. I'm glad yeah. he's doing that. I'll, I'm curious. And with, and with his back, with that. yeah, and with his background for you know with uh, religion and stuff like that, he also takes questions during the. I mean, oh. it's, it's really cool. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. So if he comes through the area again, I highly recommend. Remind trying. me. I will. Yeah, I will. Let, let me you know. know. For I'd, sure. I'd love to check him out again. You got um, it. So the next two records on my list are probably the most predictable entries. They've been on every single list. That's probably because they're so great. <laughs> um, and the first one here at number four is Kendrick Lamar. To, oh, sure. To pimp a butterfly. Yes. Now, I've gone on record as saying that like hip-hop is not my number one genre of choice, but I... You know, I'm I'm an audiophile. I'm a production nerd. I love a beautifully produced album. Going back to my infatuation as a kid with songs in the key of life, like I was always sure. just like, how did this record get made? <laughs> how does these sounds come out? And just like picturing what the studio setting must have been like, and the fact that this guy conceived all these songs, I'm just yeah. you know, so. You know, even going as recent as something like you know the the Outcast record, Speaker Box, and the Love Below. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I, I immediately started saying. I mean, I've always liked hip hop, mm-hmm. even you know going back to the days of the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy, of course. So, um, and man, recently too, the John Bryan produced Kanye West records. Sure. There's, there's so many yeah. examples of quality hip hop. I don't necessarily connect uh, to it on an emotional level always, but I can, you know, I can certainly respect and admire uh, a quality MC when when they can deliver the goods and when they can, when they have a a certain cadence, I respect that too. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of elements that go into hip hop that make me appreciate it as an art form, even if I don't always connect with it personally, or even if I'm not constantly listening to it, um, in my car on a regular basis or whatever. Right. Um, I still love it. Uh, the more and more I, you know, um, delve into certain certain artists and Kendrick Lamar, um, with his last record and now this, yeah. he's just he stepped up to the to the to the A grade A list. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I can't get over, um how he does what he does. I'm always amazed. Yeah. His, um, if people want to check out his performance on, um, the new, uh, late show with Stephen Colbert this year, it was quite incredible. <sighs> it's just a medley. Basically he did a medley of songs that's, from, yeah, from that's the Pimp a butterfly. That's something that like with a live band. And I mean, it's just, just crazy. Well, with a live band, that's gotta be. Yeah. Great. Oh yeah. The drummer. It, I still love the yeah. roots. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's funny because when I saw Kanye West live at Lollapalooza, I was really disappointed that it's essentially like a one long medley. Like yeah. he never really completes an entire song. Yeah. And I was told by 
you know, a friend who loves hip hop and goes to hip hop shows, like, oh yeah, that's how all hip hop yeah, shows and, are. And I don't understand why that is. Like, it's it's very weird that it's, it's like very ADD kind of <laughs> approach I to guess. performing live. And I'm yeah. kind of like, I wanted to hear that song in its entirety. Right? Yeah, I don't really understand <laughs> that. I mean, I guess there's also there is there's so much guest. Yeah. rapping yeah, yeah, yeah. that that I understand like oh if I've got common on this track or I've got you know two chains or somebody like that and they're not there because you can't tour with those guys uh I you know I get sure. that but like I don't know there's got to be something that can be done mm-hmm. about that maybe you do their part I mean I, I don't really I don't get it but but I mean to pimp a butterfly it, as you're listening to it it sounds like a call to arms it's yeah, you know uh, the record cover itself looks like a yeah. call to arms for sure. <laughs> yeah yeah, it's from a major artist that has like a. Again, I, I mean, I hate to like lump it into, you know, some of the songs because they change minute to minute. It does have like a, you know, kind of a schizophrenic quality to it, where it's like it changes so much that you have to keep up. Yeah, uh, it's challenging in that regard at times. Where I was like, I was just getting into that uh, yeah. ryth- rhythm and, and moved to something else, and sure. he moved so quickly to something else that it, when I first listened to it, I was like. I'm a, I found it a little jarring and challenging, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So by the second or third listen, I'm kind of like, okay, now I can appreciate this as an art form. I can appreciate this record as a cohesive statement yeah. by somebody who has a lot uh, a lot on his mind, right. um, both personally and politically. Um, I think the song How Much a Dollar Costs is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even though it does have, again, like an ADHD kind of quality at times to the music – it's overall consistent at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's another home run for Kendrick Lamar. I, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal album that is making every list for a reason. It's, you know, kind of like um, my beautiful twisted fantasy of, sure. of this year. Yeah. So um, it's a personal statement. And I think that's both Kendrick Lamar and my number three artist are kind of like the artists of the year where mm-hmm. they're making every list. Everybody's talking about them. Yeah. And um, for a reason. Yeah. Swim good, no boat, I float better than he would. No light jacket, I'm at the garden, that's a rhythm. But your flood can be misunderstood. Wall telling me they're full of pain, resentment. Need someone to live in, I'm just a relief tension. Me, I'm just a tenant. Landlord said, D wall vacant more than a minute. This album, To Pimp a Butterfly, in a, in a genre that is very single heavy and not very album heavy, mm-hmm, this, is mm-hmm. a, this is an album with, yeah. a, with a capital A. Like, Indeed. It is. Uh, it's it's one of those that'll go down, I think, for sure, um, in the next five ten years as we're still talking about to pimp a butterfly. For it, sure, it feels like a jazz record at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my number four is um, this is this is weird in that uh, this you know twenties gym or late teens gym would probably say like oh you can't have a cover album on your top five or, or whatever. It's got to be all original stuff. It's your list. It's a personal statement. <laughs> I am not going to complain. I'm Exa- not going to sure. say, like, you know, that's wrong. Exactly. And when I say 20s gym or tweens gym, I'm talking about me and not other gym. That's, I know. That's host gym. That's that's here. But, um, yeah, this one is uh, 
uh, Seth Avett and Jessica Lee Mayfield sing Elliot Smith. Um, this, oh no, you're trying to you're trying to make me cry. Oh man, this is a great between is, Jason Molina and yeah, Elliot right, Smith. Right now, this oh, we're God. gonna we're gonna talk about uh, you know. Uh, bygone uh, singer songwriters, yeah, all night. Um, so this record is, uh, it's like a comfort album. Like, like if I sit down with the album, I might not be completely blown away, but this is an album that I repeatedly put on this year, just for both background and just for out and out comfort. Like it is a record that is not cookie cutter. They don't. They do not play these songs exactly as Elliot Smith intended them or played them himself. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, but he, but, but they together, they don't, they don't make many major changes, but it still works completely. They do make them their own, but in a way that is again, super comforting and smooth and complements both their voices separately and together. Um, it's not two artists I would necessarily put together. I'm not, gigantic Avett Brothers fan. I think their only record that's really made an impact on me is uh, I Am Loving You. And um, hmm. uh, I can't speak to much of the rest of their discography, but Jessica Leah Mayfield is one that yeah. I have not uh, super um, really dug into, but I know the guys on the uh, Sharing Needles with Friends podcast that um, that I've guessed it on, and, and I'm a big fan of theirs. Um, they sing her praises quite often. Um, she's she's very talented. Yeah, so this is really, I mean, this is super, like, my almost intro to both of these artists. Bride's nailed black and white Cause you took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you'd want to meet A diamond the shadow paces the floor We'll take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like It's just a fond farewell to a um, They don't change gender on these, which is my biggest pet peeve with something like the Ryan Adams 1989 cover album where he actually does that change does gender. Me. Like it's just a matter of like respecting the songwriter and clearly Ryan Adams is respecting the songwriter by Not, covering yeah. the entire album. Sure. But I feel like, you know, when you watch something like American Idol or something like that and these singers change the gender on the, the gender pronouns, on these songs to fit them. I just, I'm not into it. And, and this is one that keeps that to a T not that, you know, Elliot Smith really did a whole lot of writing in that manner, but it helps. And, uh, yeah, this is just a really good, comforting, quiet, beautiful record. Have you heard the, have you seen the Elliot Smith documentary? I have not. That's the, and I keep wanting to, but I don't think it's on any streaming service. I want to I want to say I don't know if it was on iTunes or not. Yeah, I don't I know. I think it is. Okay, maybe I'll hmm. check it. I'll check I'll look that. into that. Yeah, but it's it's definitely been on my list. And I will see. listen to this record for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's you know, it's not I it's, I'm I I don't know if you know this about me, but I I'm I used to compulsively record covers. I oh, cool. I was featured on music blogs for just my crazy covers oh, that's sometimes. Awesome. So oh, very cool. I'm I'm pro covers, I'm pro covers records all the way. Awesome, very cool. Um, so I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. Do you need to refill your water or anything? I probably do. We could take a, a yeah. short, uh, short break. It's you, a man who's very, a friend who's wild. 
Surprise, surprise. I'm just going to come out and say it. Number three is Courtney Barnett. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, She was everywhere this year, and um, rightfully so. She's someone I discovered a couple years ago, actually. Um, I was living in Michigan when I heard a song that perfectly uh, encapsulated exactly what it's like to have a panic attack, and that's a song called Avant Gardener. Oh yes, um, I've had thing, three yeah. panic attacks in my entire life, and I don't. I wouldn't wish them upon my worst enemy. Um, you know, like I don't have like a like a consistent anxiety disorder or anything. They sort of just came out of the blue, um, and one in particular actually happened on the L in Chicago. Oh jeez! And uh, it was just like, okay, I guess I'm dying, and I need to go to the hospital. Was like my first thought. Um, and so hearing a song that sort of rec- is basically like telling a story about like one day I was gardening and the next thing you know, I felt like I was dying. Yeah. So that song to me was like uh, almost like an anthem of anxiety and just sort of like spoke to me directly to where I was like, I am dedicated. To, like, even if every song, you know, doesn't click with me, I'm dedicated to this artist based on this one song and wow. how much um, it spoke to me directly. And her descriptions of what it feels like was just perfect spot on. So it's still one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Um, but up until this year, she um, just put out the, those EPs, which thankfully I now own on vinyl. Thank you, Jim. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I like her EPs. I love her first full length record. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you'll see pretty much if you look on any list for 2015, you'll find it somewhere. Yes. And it's sublime. It's primal kind of talk rock that's part Kurt Cobain, part Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's got a really long title again this time. Yeah. It? Sometimes yeah. I sit and think. Sometimes I just sit. Yeah. I want to say that's what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just, again, another original female perspective. That is uh, a truly cohesive artistic statement. And, um, you know, when, when I was listening to it, I was like, uh, I, I haven't felt this kind of energy and vitality since Courtney Love's whole uh, wow. with, with Live Through This. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'd yeah. have to, like, sort of dip through the years and see if, like, anything sort of immediately felt that um, intense. Like, yeah. upon first listen, like, every song was like, Oh man, I want to see this. I want to hear this live so bad. Well, like I want the, to go. <laughs> the Hopalong record did that yeah, for me. I mean, that's sure. that's one like because I feel that Francis's delivery yeah. is more in the Courtney Love vein, sure. But maybe the more screaming, right? But maybe the lyrical intensity and stuff is kind of what you're talking about with like Courtney Barnett, like because Courtney Barnett doesn't like super bellow or like really go right. like screamy or anything. But um, she's definitely got that that fiery intensity. For yeah. yeah, I mean. It is in that '90s vein, um, in terms of the you know rock ex- aesthetics of sorts. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that stuff, just because it's what obviously we grew up with, sure, and gravitated towards at a young age. It's almost like it's almost like a it's almost like time travel. <laughs> and yeah. when it, when a when a band sort of captures that sound and doesn't feel like a pale imitation, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it'll that sort of. Number three, number two, number one are all do are all playing in that same ballpark. Okay, cool. Is like that '90s aesthetic doing it in a way that feels fresh all over again. Yeah, yeah. So 
Courtney Barnett, um, even if like her songs don't have like full blown melodies, yeah, and choruses that jump out at you, it's the lyrical phrases that sticks with you. I mean, right. for me, the lyric of the year, it, the key to it is its simplicity. I want to go out, but I want to stay home. And I don't know how many times I felt that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I, I need to go out and socialize, but I'm, I, I had a hard day at work. I want to yeah, stay home. That is like the, that is like the 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 national anthem yeah. being in your late thirties. It's or, the smells like Teen Spirit of today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. So my number three is uh, kind of touching back, actually, on the uh, promise ring uh, stuff when we were talking about the the new podcast. Um, it's uh, the Milwaukee band Maritime uh, and their album Magnetic Bones slash Map or sorry Magn- ugh, Magnetic Bodies <laughs> slash Maps of Bones. That is the tire names. Talk of you know. Yeah, both, both our number threes have uh, very long titles. Mm-hmm. So uh, Maritime, for people who don't know, is. Um, the project uh, fronted by Davey Von Bolin uh, of The Promise Ring, uh, drummer Dan Didier of The Promise Ring, and uh, they're joined by Justin Klug, uh, a bass player who you may have seen with Decibully back in the day. Uh, oh, Decibully. I haven't yeah, thought of them in a while. Absolutely. And their guitarist, Dan Hins, who was in uh, The Benjamins, who were on uh, Drive Through Records uh, in the early uh, 2000s there. So um, this is now Maritime's fifth album. Uh, so now technically they're... Uh, definitely more prolific than the Promise Ring ever was, um, which is strange to say, being that Promise Ring has the the bigger cultural impact, obviously, but Maritime has been playing around longer. Uh, and this one was uh, produced by Brian Deck, who people know from uh, his days with Red Red Meat, uh, but he's produced, oh. he's produced some... Uh, big indie classics like uh, The Moon and Antarctica from Modest Mouse. Yeah. Uh, Our Endless Number Days from Iron and Wine. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, New Leaves from Owen, uh, which is my favorite Owen record for sure. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so he's a, he's a guy who, uh, you know, has a, a reputation with, that, you know, precedes him basically. But uh, he's a good match for, for Maritime here because uh, this Maritime album is less focused on guitars Definitely more focused on vocals and keys, um, but still there are songs that are driving that uh, have nice guitar hooks uh, that could go into any Maritime Greatest Hits record. Uh, the first song, Nothing Is Forgot, uh, a little bit later, Roaming Empire is you know, easily one of my favorite Maritime songs ever now. Uh, and they're just, you know, I, I know I, I'm a little biased because I know these guys uh, and uh, my, my bands have, have luckily been able to share stages with them and, and stuff like that but um regardless even if i didn't know them i mean this would be an album that would make my list because it's just a good poppy um not super polished uh but but just really really great um hooky uh record again from maritime who who just you know continue right out of the gate i mean they uh they did have a lot more of the acoustic stuff going on, and there's still acoustics on this record, but 
primarily every record has been this, you know, pop, you know, guitar pop nugget, you know, kind of shot. Sure. You know, and, uh, and this one still doesn't disappoint, even if it's a little bit less focused on uh, rock guitar. It's Wednesday morning in St. Paul. It's still Tuesday night, I didn't sleep at all. The Sparrow and the City want to call out the changes. And the river carries on. Uh, that's another thing about this time of year. Once people putting out their lists, you're like, oh, oh I, I need to get that. I gotta yep. put that on my list. Exactly. Yeah, you, you wind up doing even more binging uh, after you make your own list. Yeah. Um, so number two comes as no surprise as to anybody who heard the very first Pop Culture Club podcast this year where I did sort of like a smorgasbord of like, uh, I saw this movie with my friend, we're going to talk about it. Um, I did a little bit of sorts, and I talked about one of my favorite, well, at the time I think it was my number one record of the year, and that's uh, Torres with Sprinter, Yeah, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with seeing her live at the Empty Bottle and pretty much being front and center. Sure. And- Eye contact, um, yeah, yeah, you know, falling in love essentially. No, um, <laughs> not to get creepy, but um, Taurus almost got to a, a Liz Fair level for me this year, having heard both of her records, saw her live, read interviews, watched videos. I just became all about this songwriter, um, in every way. I, 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 like I said, I did a whole rant on her on an episode, um, but her, herself, her self titled debut is kind of more my jam in that it's like really intimate to where it's like her and electric. It's almost like Jeff Buckley almost. It's like her and electric guitar, almost hallelujah style. Um, and just her and a guitar vocals and that's it. And just like telling these really intimate stories of heartbreak and what's it like being kind of an orphan and dealing with a lot of trauma and, uh, having a strong connection to the church, but then realizing it's corrupt. So there's, there's some, there's some dark dark themes throughout both of her records wow. that um, really punch you in the gut when you hear it. And the first song of, on this record, again, I hate to use this expression again, but it's "Call to Arms" kind of a kind yeah. of a feel to it. Sure. Um, and uh, it totally reminded me of like, uh, especially the drums with Steve Albini, kind of like that. Uh, yeah. Um, intensity going on and the dynamics. That's the thing I really respond to the most. Um, is the and probably comes to my love of Siamese dream is mm-hmm. just the loud and quiet yeah oh, of um of the dynamics on this record yeah. so i mean the first song on, on this album you know, there's uh, it's a song about a character too named heather and it ends with a yell that i hope you find what you're looking for and it's got a voice it's like coated with vinegar and rage and it's just uh it just awesome. it just blows me away like the whole album kind of does that to me in in different ways throughout um so i'm i'm essentially smitten with torres (laughs) that's awesome and you know she did a great interview on sound opinions that you should check out um and it's just one of those records that has i've listened to it maybe a dozen times and i can't stop being enthralled with it each and every time that's Um, cool so Everybody knows pretty much everybody. All my friends know like Taurus, Taurus, Taurus. That's all I've talked about. So um, number two. So it's 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 kind of surprising that she's not my number one. Sure. So honestly, it's neck and neck. It's it's super, super, super close this year. Yeah. 
signed up for for people who don't know vinyl me please is a record of the month club that you can sign up for and each month you will get um an album uh from vinyl me please that has something exclusive with it like they've worked with wilco and um rl rl burnside obviously i think he's dead now so they worked with his estate it's just like columbia house people yeah basically (laughs) except that you can't pay a penny and get like 12 records um so uh so you get an exclusive press of an album uh past present whatever it is um you get a drink recipe with that you get a 12 by 12 art print with that and it comes in a really cool slick box from vinyl me please and and uh you know, I did, I brought uh, a record, you know, for Nick DiGiulio last time I was there because his favorite record for, you know, in case you don't know, his favorite record is, or as first record that he ever bought was Black Sabbath Paranoid. That was the record of the month for November. So I arranged with them to send the record and, and give it to him. And he checked out the whole Vinyl Me Please package and was really pleased with it. So I forget what month this year the Torres record was, but that was one of, that was the record of the month that year. So for people who, um, who don't, who weren't familiar with her, who just signed up for Vinyl Me Please. I mean, that definitely opens her up to yeah. a, a bigger audience right there. I believe she opened for Garbage on tour, too. Oh, so cool. I'm, yeah. You know, seeing her from the empty bottle, I was like, I, I should probably go see the Garbage show, too. I've I've seen Garbage before, and I've seen her before, but yeah, that would be a nice double bill. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I didn't make it, unfortunately. But yeah. I just... That's I don't go to a lot of shows like I used. To. I used to just come go to every show. Same here. <laughs> but Same here. lately I'm kind of like old man Jim and uh kind of like I don't want to stand in line. I don't want to stand with those crazy drunken I don't wanna, kids. I don't want to stand at all. I find yeah. I find I'm like, "Oh my god, they have seats." Yes, like it's, <laughs> right? it's very weird. Yeah, so I mean, going to the empty bottle to see a show again was kind of an event in of itself because yeah. it's been a while That's and awesome. uh you know, I I I might be doing that early next year for my number 1. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she and she seems like, you know, um, an artist that would translate really well in Empty Bottle, for sure. Yeah, so that's very definitely. Cool. Definitely has a great stage presence. I mean, she's not, like, super talky in between songs, but um, she brings the rage. Yeah. She yeah. screams. Very cool. Hardcore. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so my number two is uh, Something More Than Free from Jason Isbell. Uh, which I need to hear. Which you definitely need to hear. He, so I he, keep hearing so much about oh this Oh, man. So the, so the Jason Isbell backstory is, is very interesting. Oops, sorry. Oh, it's okay. So, ah, oh, there it goes. Um, go ahead. So the, the Jason Isbell backstory is that he was a uh, former member of uh, Drive-By Truckers, um, yeah. got kicked out or quit that band due to his alcoholism, um, had uh, some success with the uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, and then uh, made his first album, Sober, uh, a couple of years ago called Southeastern, which is, quite honestly, I mean, if you're into alt-country or folk or anything like that, uh, this is one of those touchstone albums of the last 20 years. Uh, it is a very intimate uh, album that is uh, completely personable, or personal. A lot of these songs... Um, are, you know, just stories he heard and then kind of like made them into things. Uh, but Southeastern hmm. is a incredible, incredible, touching, uh, harrowing record about his, uh, that mo- mostly deals with his own struggles, uh, being sober and then meeting and falling in love with Amanda Shires, who, uh, is a musician in her own right, um, uh, with a, a good set of solo records. And, uh, she also plays fiddle in Jason's band. So this new album, something more than free. Okay. So how do you follow up a record that really got a lot of people's attention? Um, you know, do you, can you write 10 or 12 more songs that 
um, deal with your own struggles? Um, the, the answer is no, and he doesn't have to, uh, because this record focuses mainly on family. Uh, a lot of everyman tales about like, well, I'm just home from work and I'm going to leave my, uh, leave my clothes in the doorway because no one's here to pick them up. And, um, you know, in ways that's kind of sad, but in, in a lot of other ways, uh, this is a record definitely influenced by somebody like John Prine, who Jason has toured with and collaborated with now. Um, it's definitely a record that can appeal to your mainstream country crowd, but definitely has enough thorns and darkness on it where you're still going to get fans of like, you know, your Nico case or Lydia Lovelace, who I also saw open for him uh, not too long ago when he played. And that was a great show. Yeah. Great double bill. Um, so you have your everyman type songs, um, you know, the, the title track for sure. If you've seen the video for it, I mean, that's definitely something that you would see on like your country music television as basically like, oh, it's it's a good old boy song about like working and stuff like that. And there are those, but I mean, there's there's a touch of sadness to it that I don't think a lot of mainstream country has. Um, but the songs that I want to point out here are just, that are just like, man, cut you down the middle emotionally. Um, Children of Children is a song midway through the album that has become for sure a live staple of his and and the main lyric that I want to focus on with children of children is that this is a song that was written about his mother and it's about basically Jason's own guilt about being born. Um, oh God. Because his mother had him very early and he feels he took away some of his, some of her life. Uh, and she's still around. She was on, they did an interview with him on CBS Sunday morning and, they talked to her and, you know, what did you think about that song when you heard it? And she talks about crying, you know, for hearing it. But he's very honest in saying that, like, yeah, I feel I took away this woman's uh, youth a little bit by just existing. And that is a statement that is one of the more harrowing that you'll hear uh, in all of 2015. It is a uh, and it is a song that scorches at the end with a crazy guitar solo that i mean jason isbel needs to be on the cover of like guitar magazines he is one of these people like prince where people don't whoa pe- well, people well i'm, I'm <laughs> just saying i, I know that's a, i know that's and it's I, a bold statement it is a bold statement and i don't mean it in the sense that maybe jason isbel is as flashy as a guitar player as prince but when you hear prince i don't think people's automatic go-to is, oh, he's an incredible guitar player. Right, People just right, see right. him play guitar and they go, whoa, like that yeah. is insane. And and for that, that's the same thing with Jason Isbell. He's he's a picker. He he does a lot of the acoustic picking and stuff, but when, you've, he've, he, when he's got a slide going on with the electric guitar, he's pretty much unstoppable. Um, another song I want to point out is Palmetto Rose, which Im- immediately I thought was going to be a skippable track for me because it has this kind of like very vague, you know, bluesy stomp thing kind of going on, which which isn't always my thing. And then the chorus completely shifts into this halftime southern rock thing, which is just unbelievable. So, so those two tracks for sure uh, are hmm. big, big focuses for me. And there are others. The entire album is so great. He's got an entire the the very last song. Uh, called To a Band That I Loved is all about the band Centromatic, which I don't know if you're familiar with at all. I've heard the name. Uh, there's a singer, Will Johnson, who's the singer of that band who has his own solo career and stuff. But Centromatic broke up uh, this year or the year before. And that's, an, that's a song without 
a chorus without any real sense of repeating hook that is just basically a love letter to this band Centromatic, which is just huh. incredible. So um, I don't know. Huh. I mean, if you can catch Jason Isbell, please do, because he's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is a selling point for people, but John Mayer has said he is his favorite lyricist or is the best lyricist of his generation. Wow. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not a big John Mayer fan, but I mean, I would go to bat with that statement for sure. I mean, this is, if you read lyrics at all, just check out this album. It's, it's incredible. I'm sold. Yeah. Um, do it. I, uh, what's the album that had goddamn lonely love? That's oh song. yeah. 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 That's, um, well, oh. it's, it's on, it's on a live album for sure. Yeah. I know I've got the live in Alabama album from him, that song, but it's on what it's probably on one of his other ones. Too. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's drive by truckers. And, um, God, yeah, I remember, I remember being really into that record and that song and then just going, I need to keep up with this band. Why haven't I? I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. But um, I uh, I keep hearing so much about this album, so yeah. I'm it's on my list. It's super great. I, I have a feeling I'm going to love it totally by the by the way you're describing it and this and the the um like you mentioned how personal it is and getting to the roots of his relationship with his mother. That's you're you're touching on Sufjan Stevens territory because yeah. like there's a song called Fourth of July by Sufjan Stevens on that record where it's It'll it'll break your heart because it's yeah. like why did you leave me on Fourth of July? Totally. Practically, totally. I would recommend. I mean, if people and, and you want to too. I mean, like I would sit with Southeastern for a little bit sure. from a couple of years ago and then go to this record so you have a sense of like narrative. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. a sense of narrative because definitely Children of Children, the song that I was talking about. Um, there's no way that if you don't know the backstory of Jason Isbell that you can't relate the fact of like, wow, I took away this woman's like best years of her life and what did I do with it? I drank myself stupid for so many years. When you were riding on your mother's hip She was shorter than a corn All the years you took from her Just by being born So, I mean, I don't ever want to wish alcoholism on somebody, but to get sober and make the best record of your life, um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I I find strength and solace in, in people who go through recovery and yeah. uh, can document it through art. And, yep. and clearly that's what's happened here. Yeah, definitely. Um, so number one. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Drum roll. Yeah. I um, <laughs> Do we have a sound effect for that? No, I mean, I haven't toyed. I'm sure Garage Brown, yeah, Garage Brown probably has it. Uh, it's a surprise because it's a band that I discovered very late in the game here. And it's a band by the name Bully. Oh yes, and uh, I th- it could it could just have been a subconscious um, implant or inception via Jim DeRogatis from early in this year, who I believe um, saw them play South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And uh, described them as very 90s, yeah. uh, very 90s grunge, alternative rock. Uh, but I put it off until just this month, and I was blown away. It's a, a very concise record. It's It immediately made me feel like I was 17 again. Yeah. I uh, 
again, remind me of Hole. Uh, the vocals are kind of Juliana Hatfield-esque. Uh, a little little bit of letters to Cleo, maybe not the pop-punky kind of sound, but very raw punk kind of stuff. Very raw punk grunge alternative rock. Sure. And the lead singer is also a sound engineer. Um, oh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. again, um, smitten. Yep. So and so she, I believe she actually worked under Steve Albini as an intern. Whoa, very cool. Um, in yeah. in this fair city, this is a record a lot of people are talking about. Again, the I, I can't say enough about the Sharing Needles of Friends podcast. If you want to go check it out, um, did they review this record? They didn't review it, I think, but it's come up quite okay. a bit this year. Just about talking about how uh, talking about vinyl variants with it, talking about. Um, just the band in general, like they're they're big fans. So um, I haven't sat with this record uh, very much, but I definitely feel like I'm uh, like I need to just from what you're saying and and the the stuff that they've put. Yeah, I, I mean, is it the best record of 2015? Is it better than Kendrick Lamar? Probably not, but it's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, it's the one and that's, I and just. That's what, that's what these lists should be. They should be favorites and not necessarily. I mean, there's never the best art. There's never the best anything. It's yeah. it's all uh, personal. It's all subjective. It's yeah. all that stuff. So certainly, I mean, I just think song for song, this is the album that I found to be um, just the most connected in, like, um, I mean, I guess consistent. I've probably said that word many times on this episode, but at the same time, it's just every song has a different uh, rhythm and a different cadence, but it's still very consistent. And like, I mean. It has great bass riffs on top of the amazing guitar riffs. Sure, so I yeah. mean, it, and the drumming is tight. Like I, I just and there's catchiness throughout this album. Yeah. And yet there's primal screaming on this album. Like the first song is like her screaming, "I remember." Yeah. And just like, you know, talking about a breakup and very personal stuff comes up throughout this album. Sometimes you have to listen very attentively, and uh, I mean, sometimes there, like a song like "Trying," uh-huh. is. It's so infectious. Cool. Like that song is just totally uh, '90s pop, alternative pop rock. Yeah. That if you grew up in that era, I can't imagine you not at least putting that on your playlist for the year because no. it's just so infectious. And I felt that way about this entire album. I was like, I, the, this was the album this year. Well, probably Torres too, where the moment was over. I'm listening to it again. Yeah, because it's fully realized. independent rock music that is um, just incredibly immediate. The moment you hear it, it's just like it, you feel it in you, in yeah. your veins. And you're just like, yes, I've been hoping for something that just blows my mind and is original too in its yeah. own way. So, I mean, like 
the moment and also this the moment this was over i was like i am i'm pulling over and when are they playing <laughs> yeah. uh chicago because yeah, yeah i have to see them live and they yeah. are playing the metro i think they're only playing as an opening band oh man i'm not sure who they're playing they might be playing with a band that's actually good and i can't remember who they're, okay, who they're playing cool. with but i uh i think i might be going because that's i'm cool. just so excited to see what, how this band translate to well, a live and the, the metro too i mean that's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be pretty great yeah so it, it's an album called feels like by the band Bully cool. and um, something that I know Nick really enjoys. There's a there's a uh, song called Bully on the album by the oh, band Bully. By the band Bully. Yeah, but, I mean the, but, the, but the, the album's name, not called Bully. I wish it was. Yeah, that'd be perfect. You gotta have the trifecta. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking, and I don't know how hand in hand they go, but I just hearing you talk about it brought it up. Have you heard the the new Veruca Salt album from this year? No, I haven't, and yeah. I should because I yeah. do like them. Yeah, they have an album. That's called, another. Yeah, it's a good comparison to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they have an album called Ghost Notes. That I don't think they're putting on vinyl. I think it's only digital. Is it CD. Louise and Nina? Yes. Huh. It's the original lineup from, oh, okay. what, I, from what I know. Um, and I was really impressed with quite a bit of what I heard of that record. I did, don't think I've heard the whole thing, but uh, XRT was playing one of the songs, and I was pretty impressed with nice. it. Nice. I, I loved American Thighs. When yeah. It out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I have a feeling I know what your number one is. I'm I bet scared. you do, yeah. Can I say... Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's one of my favorite songs of the year. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a really it's a really good song. Uh, so yeah, it is it is. I love you, Honey Bear from Father John Misty. Um, yes, people have been talking about this album quite a bit. I understand that you feel that it is a good album, maybe not great. It's um, a yeah. It's like a B. The B album for you. Yeah. Um, I was really nervous about this record, and the reason being is that I was such a fan of his last record, Fear Fun. That was my favorite record of that year. I like that record more. Uh, like in 2013, I think that came out, or 2012. Yeah. So here's the thing. The first intro to this album, for me, was the fact that he was going to be on Letterman late last year. Um, clearly, the promo cycle for Fear Fun was over. So I was guessing, even on social media, I think I was guessing, like, so he's got to be playing something new tonight. Like I, I, you know, had not heard a new song from him. So this performance was very Andy Kaufman esque. He he played the song uh, "Born in the USA" and by mm-hmm. and by played, it started off with him at a piano. How the song starts, but then we pull away and it's actually a player piano. He's not playing it at all. It's like <laughs> the keys are just moving without him. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Father John Misty, this is a guy who is basically, um, the way I describe it, or I described Fear Fun was like Rufus Wainwright, but in a beat up army jacket. <laughs> like, because it's got the pomp, it's got the pomp and, and, sure. and gravitas of like Rufus Wainwright records, but like very tongue in cheek. Which I have a love hate relationship with. I, yeah. I, I don't love every single Rufus Wainwright record. Right, I I do not either. I think I think his first two I think are my favorite. Um, I love cigarettes sure. and chocolate milk. Yes, that's a great song. That's such a great song. Absolutely. Um, so, so okay. So this Letterman performance, he pulls away. You know, he pulls. He he is pr- pretending to play the piano and then stops, and the piano is still going, and he's still singing. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And he's got an orchestra behind him. And then the song, also on record, he did this live on Letterman, but also on record, there was canned laughter, like oh, on, yeah, like yeah, on yeah. a sitcom from, uh, for this song. And 
it's so weird. Like it's like it 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 put me off immediately. I was like, okay, this is a guy where I don't get the joke. Like I loved his first record and I, I was in on those jokes. But now I'm not in on it. Now I feel like that's how I, I feel. Like I have to, I have to get it. You yeah. Know? Like, um, but luckily for me, the rest of the record was brilliant and um, lush and took some chances that the first record didn't. I still think that if you put half of this record and half of Fear Fun together, perfect. Perfect it would make record. a perfect record. Yeah. Um, but uh, that being said, it's still hits all the emotional notes for me, hits all the comedic notes for me. And um, he's still not a guy that I fully understand, but I think that's part of it. I think he is not putting all his cards out on the table. I think there's still some mysteriousness, but it's not as off-putting as that first Letterman performance was uh, for this record. Um, he's a character. He is a character. From, from, a, from a vinyl standpoint, this record also had a weird entrance into the world because hmm. it had a pop-up gatefold. Like it was basically like a pop-up book <laughs> inside it. Now when you <laughs> shrink wrap that, all the pressure from all these records being together and the pressure from being shrink wrapped, it actually warped the vinyl. Oh shit. So Sub Pop had to scrap it completely after people were complaining that, you know, the copies they were getting were warped. Had to scrap that version. And uh, then record a brand new one, or uh, not record, but release a brand new one. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm torn. It's like I, I, again, like how I feel about Rufus Wainwright's records. I, I love them, and I'm kind of indifferent to them sometimes. Sure, and there are moments on this record that I love absolutely, and there are moments I'm just kind of like, hmm, yeah, what's going on there? In a way, I he's kind of an, an enigma. Uh, but I'm 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 guessing that people probably felt that way about Harry Nilsson. Yeah, and like he's he's he gets thrown around with those names. Sure, sure. Yeah. and I I understand that. I I kind of like Harry Nilsson a little bit more. Maybe his sense of humor just clicks with me. So Harry Nilsson was very playful with genre to where like you know on Son of Schmilson he did like his own take on a ridiculous country song. Like, yeah, right. With, with joy and made fun of the the, the country. Um, milieu, if you will, and so I mean, I I can give mad props to Father John Misty. He's a great songwriter. Um, he just doesn't always connect with me um, personally. I, sure. I, I I will definitely uh, continue to listen to this record. I think I like Fear Fun just a, a little bit more. Yes, I think I do too. We met in a parking lot. Was buying coffee and cigarettes. Firewood and bad wine long since gone But I'm still drunk and hot wide awake Breathing hard You know, he still is a, a, a pretty great live act. I mean, he I saw him play at Saki Records um, when Fear Fun was out um, just with his band uh, in, the, in, the, in a record store and came off great. Uh, people can also YouTube. Uh, he does a really, really good cover of um, a couple covers that he was doing this year. Um, Heart Shaped Box he was doing from Nirvana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and also... Um, he did the Taylor Swift record, too, and then he took it down, right? Was he... Yeah, that was weird. That, again, that's another weird thing. He did this, like... He was doing this, like, Lou Reed put on of, like, you know, basically doing... <clears throat> basically doing Ryan Adams songs, you know, Ryan Adams covering 
Taylor Swift, <laughs> but as Lou Reed. And that, that was really weird. And then he put out this statement that Lou Reed came to him in a dream and told him to, <laughs> told him to take it down. And then he came out and said, yeah, that was bullshit. I can't believe you people believe that, like that sort of thing. Yeah, that is an Andy Kaufman kind of thing. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. And like whether or not – I guess the thing is like with a lot of other artists, I would have just given up by now because that kind of sh- like schlock, I just don't – it's not a trap. There are people who will dismiss him as pretentious, I think. Yeah, for a guy who – for a guy who is not – very pretentious. There's a lot of pretension here, but yeah. but it's still. I don't know. It still works for me. It's the, still endearing yeah, in a way. Yeah. The yeah, other yeah, yeah. the other cover I was going to bring up was um, uh, "Happiness Is a Warm Gun" from the Beatles. Uh, him and his band do, and that's worth YouTubing too. There are a bunch of really good quality uh, versions of that floating around on YouTube that are quite good. So yeah, I think this was a a, a good year, not a great one overall. Like yeah. I think. I think the year for movies is a lot stronger than the year for music, personally. Yeah, I'd be interested um, to hear your episode oh God. Uh, when that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Those always wind like, I, you know, me and my co-host Patrick, we're always, like, uh, determined to keep it under three hours, and, and every time we try, it's like four hours. Well, you and I, you and I got to be close to two or a little over two by now. Um, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably around there. I'm yeah. I'm going to list off just a few more titles really quick. Sure. Deaf Heaven with New Bermuda. Yeah, that's a band that uh, I I have to definitely check out. I'm not into that sound normally, but um, it's 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 so weird and crazy and yeah. wild. I love it. Yeah. Sleater Kinney with uh, No Cities to Love. I wish I loved it. But I certainly, I certainly like it. Me too. That's that's one where I feel the songs that are kind of blah are are blah for me, but mm-hmm. the ones that are really good are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's just I don't know. There wasn't enough to to hook me in fully. An interesting hip hop record that uh, again felt like kind of like um, uh, just almost again very jazzy, jazz influence. Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment. Yeah, with Surf. Well, locally, that's getting a lot of coverage yeah. for sure. Just you know, because of the you know association with Chance the Rapper and sure. stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, that's that's one I haven't fully heard. And of course, Wilco with Star Wars. Yep. Um, Julia Holter with Have You in My Wilderness. I like her a lot. Um, a controversial choice, Lana Del Rey. I kind of like her. Yeah, I'm not fully sold on. I know on her you're you're in, in the dear dear goddess camp. I understand that. <laughs> I understand that completely. Um, I um. She's starting to grow on me. Maybe it's just like maybe it's Stockholm syndrome a little bit, but it's. Sure. I just uh, over time I'm kind of like yeah I'm feeling this vibe more and more as time goes on. Yeah. And churches with every open eye and the mountain goats with beat the champ. Yeah, that's and from a from a record buyer perspective, that's something cool because that I think came with like stickers and like just the cover art yeah. itself was really cool and the whole theme of the album. It's like. Uh, you know that's that's a record for as as, as goofy as it kind of looked and stuff. That's a record where, you know, again the same album. Okay, like the same uh, label. Uh, the new Titus Andronicus record was like a triple album, mm-hmm. and that's not a band that I'm like super into. But I can appreciate like the the thickness and the the weight of a of a triple album. Um, but those are you know both for Merge uh, and. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking with with Mac from Merge for Modern Vinyl this summer. Nice, and and he brought up both those records, like that. Those were fun to put out because, yeah. you know, they're a little challenging, they're a little obtuse. Uh, you know, one for it's just grandeur, and then one for it's like subject matter and art and stuff. Uh, but as a record buyer, like those are the things that 
are attractive. Those are the things that people look for. And as long as those prices stay within reason, those are the kinds of things that like make a record buyer want to buy a record. Absolutely. So, I mean, this this was a great conversation. I'm so glad that you were able to yeah. introduce me to some records that I haven't heard well, yet. Well, same here. I mean, you, yeah. did, you did for me as well. I've got a yeah. lot to check out. Um, I should have asked this first before you even watch. Are you allergic to cats? No. Okay. Because I was no. thinking, like, maybe you were having an allergic reaction a little bit. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I do. I'm not allergic to cats. Okay, thank have, God. I do have a dog, but I'm not allergic to, uh, to cats. Okay. I think it's... I don't know what it is, but maybe it, there's a little dryness. In the yeah, air. there might be. There might yeah. be. I'm good though. That, that, that happens. And plus, um, your list just made me so sad. I think <laughs> that can happen too. I make people very sad. <laughs> I'm thinking of that Jason uh, Isbell song, you know, just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, but plus your, I don't know. It, it, it is challenging, especially when I was first starting out to even talk for two hours straight. Oh, sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't even know how to this day, like I wind up talking for three hours. And yeah. By the by, the end of it, it does feel like I've worked a hard day at work. I'm like tired. I'm depleted totally. of energy too. Totally. So. Well, I mean, and you. I'm sure because you're using brain power. Right. Right. And we both have the same experience of of being on like Nick's show and stuff, and like that feels like an eternity. Even though there's news breaks, there's yeah. commercials and stuff like that, and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I was on for an hour and a half, but really, you look at the clock and you're like, oh, that was like 40 minutes because. Of all those breaks and stuff, and right. when you when you get the podcast and it's all split up, like these bands that that I've uh, uh, been lucky enough to book with with uh, Nick and Dan, uh, his producer, um, you know they're on for technically like two hours, but then the podcast comes back and it's like thirty seven minutes just because of how radio <laughs> works, you know. Um, oh, God bless those advertisers. Exactly, keep them going. Keep, yeah, there, here's a plug for advertisers to plug on either one of our podcast we'll you know, see yeah, we'll see what we'll happens see. with that but uh thanks so much jim for being on the the show today this is super great thank you yeah. so much for having me yeah um let's see where can we read some more of your work i mean obviously you're gonna have your own podcast coming up here yeah, soon yeah um but uh like blogs and twitter yeah, and all I mean, that I, I mean i used to i it's not i mean it's definitely not uh upkept but i did have a a vinyl blog for a while uh people can still see that at rather you than her dot tumblr dot com uh, rather you than her is a Pearl Jam reference to uh, um, one of the lyrics in Spin the Black Circle, which is about vinyl. Ah, yeah. Uh, so that's the, the reason why that's called that. Um, Modern-vinyl.com, if you just look for, you know, if you search for Hanky under there, you'll find there's some interviews with, again, like Mac from Merge, Todd from Braid, um, Matthew Sweet, who we've both interviewed. That's how. That's honestly how we kind of connected. Sure, is, is because we both interviewed him at pretty much the same time. Yeah, and then and, you were uh, on Nick's show, and I was like, yeah. I got to contact this guy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then we looked up and was like, Oh, both of us, you know, saw him. And so. we're both named Jim. Exactly, that's we're, a good sign. Well, you were you had to be at that. We were both at that show at Space then. Oh, that's right. We yeah, were both yeah, yeah, there. yeah. We didn't we didn't end up meeting there, but yeah, we were both. And in I, the, you know, what's so funny because I don't know if I ever told people. I never told this story on the air. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I actually left the venue. Um, I went to my car, um, started the engine, and I was like, "Wait a minute! I instead of I need to be I need to be a little more assertive because I was nervous. I was like, I I I, I'm you know I've I've met him before very briefly, but it was more like in passing and just saying hi and yeah that was it yeah but um you know he said to me after we did the interview just make sure you say hello. At the show. Right. And I said, okay, 
I will, and I meant it. Um, That's awesome. But I, I was nervous, so I, I, I found myself walking to the car, starting the engine, and then talking myself to walking back in That's and great. saying, I am going to get backstage, and I am going to say my credentials. Uh, even if I look like a dick, I don't care. <laughs> like saying, I am with this podcast. Look at me. I'm important. No, right, but, right. you know. Um, I didn't think I, I didn't think it was going to be an hour long, close to an hour long conversation with one of my favorite musicians. Yeah, totally. Um, so if we wind up at the same show again, just saying. Hang out. Exactly, we gotta hang out. No, it's, you it's, just never know. I'm no. gonna try and go to the, the low show. I think too. And uh, oh yeah, that would be at, good. Uh, at the space. Absolutely. Yeah, so. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm still that guy uh, again. Like I'm 36. I'm still that guy who's bringing. Uh, records to be signed like at the end of the show and Mm -hmm. you know uh yeah it's it's still uh weird to uh get butterflies when talking to another grown adult about their music and what it means to you and stuff like that and uh but that's why being in in media like us like to to, it it was almost like a follow-up to you know he had that time with you over the phone yeah uh, for the podcast and then to to meet in person and catch up that way is is just awesome and to talk about movies essentially because it was like he was I didn't realize he was such a movie nerd too. And that was yeah. really great to hear. He's like, Oh yeah. When you're on the road, you got to watch Netflix and you got to, totally. you know, well, his, his, uh, uh, the, the whole thing with big eyes, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I had no idea. I, I had known from his previous albums of like having an infatuation with that whole thing, but I didn't know that he participated so much in the film and, right. and, and basically gave a whole lot of uh, information about, uh, that artwork and everything like that's crazy. Fingers crossed, new album, 2016. That's right. That's, you did a Kickstarter or something for it, right? Yeah. 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 Very cool. He's, no, a, so he, he's a sweet guy. He is, believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> and so are you, Jim. Well, thanks, Thanks man. a lot for this, being on the show. Thank this you. This was great. Thank um, you so much. Oh, I, yeah, people, so Modern Vinyl, modern-vinyl.com. Uh, but if people want to follow, there's nothing there yet. I don't know when this will go up, but uh, twitter.com slash Jim Hanke, uh, H-A-N-K-E. You can follow me there. Uh, and then Vinyl Emergency will have its own social media, uh, twitter.com slash Vinyl Emergency, facebook.com slash Vinyl Emergency. Yeah. Um, visit nowplayingnetwork.net. It's uh, up and running, slow slow going. I'm getting there in terms of uh, getting all the design. And we don't even have official names for all the podcasts yet. But uh, <laughs> Jim got on Jim got on the game. You know, he, I he, did. Yeah. I he, had to bite the bullet and, uh, you know, not just have it be... My yeah, name, the Jim Hankey show. You know, if it, if it comes like uh, like by January fifteenth, and not everybody's ready, I'm still going to be like, you know what? Whatever shows are ready, they're going, they're going up, and uh, you know, all the rest, we can wait till February first. That's cool. Don't exactly. worry about it. You right, know, we'll, right. we'll get to him when you get to it. So, I'm very excited about the network, and especially uh, the inclusion of Jim and his show. So that's exactly, be this great. this will definitely not be the last time we record on each other's shows. I'm positive. So I, I hope that, I hope that's the case. Yes. So thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Um, DirectorsClubPodcast.com, PopCultureClub.net, and like I said, NowPlayingNetwork.net, and we'll talk to you very soon. I'm sure. Have a very merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.